Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. This episode is a recording of the sermon that I preached on November 14th at our 10 a.m. creative service. I'm really excited to bring you this audio recording uh, in case you were there and you wanted to listen to it again, or in case you weren't and you were at the 8.30 service or just weren't able to make it to church this Sunday. One of the neat things about this sermon, about some of the things we've been doing at the 10 o'clock service as well, is that it interweaves not only the reading of scripture, but as well as the anthem from the Sounds of Praise Choir. And all of it, as a collective whole, is the sermon experience. I Also, you, what you should know, you can't see it, but during the beginning of the sermon, I start stacking blocks on top of each other, one of those tall outdoor Jenga towers. And you'll hear it get knocked down, spoiler alert. <laughs> and then later on, you won't be able to see this, but that knocked down collection of blocks is then reorganized into a path that leads to the baptismal font, which is where I end the sermon. There's probably going to be enough verbal cues to help you pick up on all of that, but just in case to help you picture what's going on as I talk. Uh, this sermon is based on Mark chapter 13, verse 1 through 8. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for your support of the podcast. I hope you enjoy this message. This morning, our readings come to us from the 13th chapter of Mark's Gospel, we begin. As Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings! Then Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. say these words to us. All will be thrown down. And it can at first seem a little unsettling that Jesus is going to go and destroy the temple that's out there. And, and, you know, you have to remember that the temple was a really, really important part of Jewish life at that time. And so we hear these words, and, and Pastor Gary's going to read even more from Mark's 13th chapter to us later on as we move our way through this sermon time. And each part will probably feel more and more unsettling as we go along. Because there's a lot of stuff that Jesus says in these passages that might not sit very well with us. But here's the thing. When you read the scriptures, oftentimes the stories themselves stack on top of each other. On Sunday morning, we don't have time to read all of Mark's 13th chapter and all of Mark's 12th chapter. But if we did, we'd start to see that what Jesus is actually trying to say to us, what he's up to in this passage, is he's really trying to redirect the disciples in a very poignant way. Here's what you need to know. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus and his disciples are in the temple. And while they're in there, Jesus shares some parables and he does a whole bunch of teaching. And at the end of Mark chapter 12, Jesus says to his disciples, do not be like the scribes or the chief priests. Be wary of the ways that the scribes and the chief priests will go about with long prayers and fancy robes, Jesus says. And so what Jesus is doing is he's warning the disciples about the ways that the religious leaders in their day kind of miss the point. The religious leaders in their day are often saying long prayers and wearing fancy robes to be impressive to other people. 
And what Jesus wants the disciples to see is that they shouldn't be impressed by all of these peripheral items, these earthly matters. And so then we come to exactly what happens in Mark chapter 13, where the disciples exit the temple, having just heard Jesus give this sermon about not being impressed by earthly things. And what should happen? But the disciples exit the temple And one of his disciples says to him, Teacher, look at these large stones. Teacher, look at this great building in the town of Jerusalem. Isn't it impressive? You see, the disciples have forgotten already what Jesus just told them a moment ago. And let's be honest, we do this too sometimes, don't we? Sometimes we'll come to church and we'll hear the readings and the sermon, and we'll sing the songs and say the prayers, and then by the time we leave the parking lot, we're already on a different path than what Jesus might have hoped for for our life. This happens all the time, just like the disciples. We're forgetful, and not only that, but we're also easily distracted. That disciple in the gospel reading today looked at the stone building and thought it was so impressive and so great. And Jesus says to that man, do you see these large stone buildings? Very truly, I tell you, not one stone will be left upon the other. All will be thrown down. It's a little shocking. It's a little unsettling. But the truth is, that's exactly the emotion that we should be prepared for. Because we do often tend to head down pathways that Jesus doesn't want us to be walking down. Very often, we will be so amazed by earthly standards that we'll forget to really follow Jesus. And something will have to come along to redirect us and to turn us back on the path that Christ hopes for our life. The word repentance literally means to turn around. And this is at the very heart of what Jesus is saying to his disciples that day, what we need to hear again and again. We can become so infatuated with what the world wants us to pay attention to. Oh my gosh, did you hear Apple has a new phone product? It has three cameras now. Why do you need three cameras? Who cares? It's impressive or we'll get so infatuated with our own career, with wanting to climb the corporate ladder, so infatuated with keeping up with the Joneses. And the truth is, all of this is us walking down a path that Jesus doesn't want us to walk, necessarily. Jesus has a better way for us to live, and he's constantly trying to guide us in that direction. But the problem is, as we live in this tension between the way we act and the way Jesus wants us to live, it can be painful and messy and shocking and uncomfortable. It's not what we want to be a part of. It just doesn't feel right because we're so comfortable heading this path. But maybe, maybe Jesus can make something beautiful out of the mess and the struggle that's going on within us.
When Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will this be? And what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? Then Jesus began to say to them, Beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. After Jesus tells the disciples that all will be thrown down, his close group of friends, the the core four as you might call them, wants to know, hey, exactly when is this going to happen? But this is again an example of the disciples being a little caught off guard, a little distracted by what Jesus is actually trying to say. And so Jesus tells them, do not be led astray which is really his core point here. We can be so impressed by tall towers and large buildings, by the latest Apple product. We can be so infatuated with trying to pursue our career goals that we get led astray. We go down the wrong path. And so Jesus tells and warns the disciples that they might need to be redirected. Here's the thing. This can be very difficult because of the etern- this internal conflict that I've been mentioning, where we have the way that we want to live, the things that the world tells us to do, and it sometimes runs counter to what Jesus hopes our life might look like. And so we've become so focused on this path and being successful at this path that when Jesus tries to turn us around and pull us in a new direction, it feels like failure, like everything's falling apart like we're just making a mess of things. But what we need to recognize and understand is that so much of our Christian faith is based upon this very idea that God can take what's fallen down and what's broken within us and do something beautiful out of it. We are so afraid of failure in our life. We want to be successful, climb the corporate ladder, keep up with the Joneses, and we're so afraid of making a mistake, of having to turn around and be redirected. But the truth of our faith is that failure is a key component of it. We need to look no further than the cross, the great symbol of our faith. The cross was meant to be a symbol of failure. The Holy Roman Empire would crucify people as a way to stop their movement. Don't be this person on the cross, the Romans would say, or you'll end up just like them. And yet somehow, Jesus takes a symbol that originally seemed like death and an ending and failure and turns it into our rallying cry, a symbol of unending hope and possibility. The truth is that our life of faith is based on this promise that God can take what's broken within us, what's sinful and lost, and bring new life from it. Not only that, but the cross reminds us just how far God is willing to go in order to redeem whatever we might have made a mess of. God can make beautiful things out of us.
when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. This is another part of Mark chapter 13 that when we first hear it sounds really, really scary and unsettling. We focus on Jesus talking about things coming to an end. Wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes and famines. We might hear that and think to ourselves, gosh, I know of wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines in our world today. And we can start to think that the end is near. But in all of that, we're losing what Jesus says at the very end of this passage. This is all but the beginning of the birth pangs. It's the beginning of the beginning. It's the first signs of new life. You see, we think of endings and painful situations as something to be avoided, as something scary that is apart from God. But the reality, Jesus says, is that he can take all those things that scare us and unsettle us and bring something new from it. We tend to walk down paths that lead us astray. We get distracted by the wonders of the world, and Jesus wants to redirect us and to show us that a path can be made from the mess that we're carrying. Even though we're sinful, even though we're broken, even though we're scared and unsettled and filled with internal conflict, Jesus still can create a path forward. And it's a path, the way of Jesus is a path that always leads us to new life. At this baptismal font, we have proclaimed that very message thousands of times in the history of this church. When someone is baptized, we say that they die to an old way of life and they're raised to new life with Christ invited to walk a new path of compassion and care and humility and hope. There is nothing in this world that should drive us to despair, Jesus says, because Jesus is constantly in the business of bringing new life, of bringing beautiful things out of the dust and out of broken, sinful, flawed people like us.